0: Can we give Jesus one more big shout of praise? Come on. He's so good. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much. And uh, thank you, Pastor Jeremy. That's just an incredible blessing. Why don't you grab your seats? Uh, We're so blessed by that. Thank you. And uh, who knows that you guys have got great senior pastors that, uh, you know, just people of faith that heard the call of God to come to Stanthorpe. And uh, it's just so cool. I just looked at the youth room that you guys have already built, and hearing the plans of the future. I just think it's so exciting uh, at what God is doing, and and uh, so it's so good to be here. Uh, I grew up uh, in Melbourne. Don't hold that against me, okay? Uh, Both my uh, parents—they divorced when I was about five. uh, But my dad did a whole heap of drugs. Uh, We'd go visit him on a Friday night, and he'd have all of his mates over doing drugs. My mum also did drugs. Uh, most of my aunties and uncles did drugs. Uh, even some of my grandparents did drugs. Who knows you're in trouble when granddad smokes bongs, okay? That's just a bad start to life. And uh, I followed in my uh, parents' footsteps. And at the age of 12, uh, I was binge drinking cigarettes, marijuana. Uh, by the time I was 15, I, uh, I was uh, injecting amphetamines, uh, taking ecstasy, acid. At 16 years old, I took an acid trip at a house uh, where they were involved in satanic worship. And, you know, that was kind of the crew that I hung around with. They were into death metal and bands like Slayer and all that kind of stuff. And and so I was in this house where there was posters of, you know, just different death metal bands and satanic symbols and that very dark environment. And I took this acid trip. And after about half an hour, uh, I end up unconscious on the floor for about three or four hours. And and although I was fully unconscious, I wasn't a Christian, I wasn't a believer, I kind of believed maybe God was real, but literally I was visited uh, by demons for about three hours while I was tormented uh, for three hours. Literally was told that I was dead, tormented like I could never ever properly articulate in any kind of message. And, and I came out of that experience after about three hours. I woke up on the bedroom floor terrified, got out of that house as quick as you can imagine. Uh, thought to myself, well, that's just what they call a bad trip, you know. And uh, and it was a couple weeks later, while I wasn't on drugs, and that same demonic stuff spoke to me very clearly as a 16-year-old boy that sent me into absolute fear and anxiety. And for the next three years of my life, I would have been diagnosed. I never was because I never told anybody, but I would have been diagnosed with drug-induced psychosis, Uh, where literally the television would speak to me, the radio would speak to me. I'd hear voices in my head as I'd go to school every day that would say, nobody likes you, nobody loves you, and you should kill yourself. And at 19 years old, I almost took my life. I had planned it out. I'd worked out the day, ready to end my life at 19 because I couldn't handle what was going on in my mind. Uh, God kind of intervened and got me through that moment. But it was 23 years old. I'd actually moved to the Gold Coast from Melbourne. At 21, I moved to the Gold Coast uh, to surface paradise, actually to get off drugs. Uh, I wasn't the smartest young man. You know, <laughs> let's move to surface paradise to get off drugs. Uh, but uh, thankfully, God had a plan. And, and I was 23 years old. And there was a lady that was my auntie who was the only believer in my whole family. My mom has seven, uh, six siblings. She's the seventh. My dad is the same. There's seven in that family as well, children, and and of the whole fourteen, there was only one that was um, a believer, which was my mum's youngest sister, who she met a boy, uh, a Baptist boy, who went by the method of flirt and convert, and, and so, <laughs> and so, but thank God for that because he flirted and converted, and uh, because of that, she prayed for me for seventeen years that I would one day encounter the love of Jesus. And and I want to tell you, you know, after 17 years of prayer, I had a moment in a unit in Surface Paradise as a drug addict that was mentally ill. And on a phone call with this particular auntie, as I heard her voice After 17 years of prayer, as I heard her just say the words hello to me, it was literally like God filled my lounge room and I encountered the love of the Father and in that moment radically got born again, got set free of cigarettes, of drugs, of the whole thing. In an instant, God set me free, healed my mind of mental illness. And I want to say to you right now, you know, whoever you're believing for, don't ever give up. Because I'm so thankful for a lady that didn't give up after 15 years or 10 years. But for 17 years, she continued to appear before the Father and say, God, my nephew, Lucas Connell, he's going to become a giant killer. And, you know, I've literally traveled around the world for the last nine years. And I've helped thousands of people get free of addictions and get born again and free of anxiety and depression. And all of it is because of one lady that just wouldn't give up, that just kept bringing my name before heaven. And I'm so... Can we give God praise? He's so good. And, and so I'm so thankful for, for all of that. And, and, you know, it's true. When you say that you're planning a church on the Gold Coast, I, I kind of always have to clarify that story. Because really, we eventually, we were youth pastors there. We went to Townsville for a bit. We went to the sunny coast. We just lived in America for four years And it's been 12 years since we left the Gold Coast and now God has brought us back. And it's so amazing. I literally right now, I live one block away from the place that I first encountered Jesus. And God has just simply brought my wife and I back to the place where we met Jesus. Uh, It's almost like a 21-year apprenticeship to now go, all right, we're going to build a church that's going to change a city and, uh, you know, see thousands of stories like mine. Uh, and so we're so excited about that. And uh, I want to share a message today called uh, uh, Pressure Test. Everyone say Pressure Test. Pressure test. And, and you guys are really good. You're a good, responsive church. And, 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 you know, when I think of a pressure test, I kind of don't think of a positive thing, do you know what I mean? Like I'm not at home and I'm kind of praying, Father, I'm just really believing for a season of pressure, you know, if you could, you know, that's not the kind of prayers I'm praying. And and there's kind of a negative connotation in a sense uh, when we think of a pressure test. But actually it can be heaven sent. It can be an incredible blessing to your life. And, you know, if you think about when people extract oil from the ocean, uh, Uh, you know, a a very valuable commodity that is taken from the depths of the ocean and they use, you know, extremely expensive large pipes to extract the oil and before they extract the oil, they'll do a thing called a pressure test where they'll ram mass amounts of pressure through the pipes and the reason they do it is to see whether or not there are any weak spots if there are some spots that are you know th- th- that could be prone to kind of breaking and losing the oil and and when they find the weak spots the areas of dysfunction they don't automatically discard the pipe because the pipe is expensive so what they do is they send an expert that knows how to strengthen and repair the pipe, and the expert goes and strengthens and repairs the weak spot so that the pipe can still be used for the purpose that it was made to be used for. See, sometimes the Father allows us to go through some pressure to reveal some weak spots, not so that he can reveal the weakness and then discard the vessel, but he can reveal the weak spot so that then he can send send the expert of the Holy Spirit to come and build and strengthen and repair my weakness, my dysfunction that was only exposed by the pressure so that he can repair and mend so that this vessel can do everything that God has put me on the planet to do. You know, I remember I was preaching in a place in in New Zealand, in Auckland, and it was a PM service. And I'm kind of known for for helping people find freedom. And and so there was this young lady that had just tried to end her life, I think for the 10th or 12th time. And she was about 22 years old. She was in the psychiatric ward. And, And so some of her friends knew that I was ministering on this Sunday night, and they went and got permission to bring her to the meeting. And and so she came. I didn't know any of this, and and I kind of did a, an altar call for people that were just believing for breakthrough, and and, and you know a couple hundred people a large church came and filled the altar, and 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 when I was I was praying, it was like this one girl who was the girl she just stood out. It was like she was illuminated, and and I actually remember her name was Jazz, and I remember grabbing her hand. She was a, a few people back, and and I grabbed her hand, and she just began to weep in the presence of God, and. She had every kind of mental illness diagnosis you could imagine. She had sleep insomnia. She had depression. She had obviously suicidal tendencies. And and I didn't know any of this, but I grabbed her hand. I said, I don't know what's going on in your life. I said, but what God's about to do right now I said, you haven't had a good night's sleep for more than a decade. I didn't know she had insomnia. And I said, but you're about to have the best sleep that you've had in more than a decade because of the goodness that God's about to do right now. And and she just, you know, the power of God hit her and she's weeping in God's presence. She went home back to the psychiatric ward and she was so radically healed that they tried to diagnose her with something else, personality disorder. Because they said to her, you can't have been the girl that's been in this psychiatric ward for the last week. And now you're saying everything is okay and normal and you're 100% healed. But guess what? She never went back to her old self. She stayed 100% healed. She was released from the psychiatric ward in, in, in just maybe six months or so. She was helped in directing a movie that won awards all over New Zealand about her friend that had actually taken her life. She's now written a book that's a bestseller. She's appeared before the the UN in New York City to talk about mental health or suicide awareness. They've just released a movie about her called Girl Under the Bridge. And she's just one New Zealander, young New Zealander of the year. And what I want to say to you is no matter how bad you think the pressure is, Jesus is always the answer. No matter what you're going through, it might feel like absolute hell and torment. Let me tell you, Jesus can bring you out of that pit. Jesus can bring you out of that addiction. Jesus can bring you out of that mental health. Whatever it might be, Jesus can lift you out of it. You know, we've, uh, I won't talk about it long, but we, we've, we've created a program. I think the guys have got the slide. Uh, and we have a ministry that we started about two, three years ago, and it's called A Freedom Experience. You can check that out at our website if you take a photo if you want, but it's afreedomexperience.com. And we now have two programs that are 21 day journeys. One is completely around mindsets, destructive mindsets. We have seen hundreds of people get free of anxiety, like major anxiety. Depression, uh, and even just things like low self worth, poverty mentality. So, the first one, destructive mindsets, is about ch- permanently changing one destructive mindset. It's full of encounter with God, but it's also full of practical, uh, you know, uh, neuro- n- neurologist proven kind of theories to-, to permanently change your thinking. So, there's the renewing of the mind and there's God encounter. And then we just released a new course uh, called Breaking Addictions. And already we're seeing people get set free of all kinds of things, sexual things, of substance things. Uh, And so basically, normally it's $47 that you you get access for 30 days. And whichever one you sign up, you can go to either course. So you don't have to pick the course that you're going to do. You just sign up and then you'll have access for 30 days. But I want to make that free to you, okay? So if you use the code, write this down. If you use the code BLESSED, when you sign up, put it in the coupon code, it'll be $0. Now, full disclosure, what we have is a subscription. So after a month, it's 10 bucks a month, but you can unsubscribe straight away, get 30 days for free, do the 21-day course. If you want to stay subscribed, you get access to the other courses, it supports us, that kind of thing. But there's no pressure in that at all. So I'll make that free. So blessed, um, A Freedom Experience. You know, I, I want to talk to you today about someone in the Bible that really went through a pressure test. He, he went through mental health. Uh, a whole heap of stuff. He was a a preacher, a man of God, and that person was Elijah. And I don't know if you know the story, but Elijah starts off and he prophesies to evil King Ahab and his even more evil wife, Jezebel. And he says to them, it's not going to rain until my word. And it literally doesn't rain for three and a half years. He, He then goes to a place called Kirith Ravine and he drinks from the brook and the birds feed him from the sky. He then hears the voice of God again and he goes to a place called Zarephath where a, a widow provides oil that never runs out and bread that, that, that also never runs out. He, in this moment, the widow's son dies. He grabs the boy. He asks the father to come and the boy is raised to life. And then Elijah ends up at the pinnacle of his life where he literally stands before the evil 250 Baal prophets. The whole nation of Israel had turned away from God And you know the story, he says, you put a bull in your pit, I'll put one in mine. And whoever's God answers by fire is the real God. And fire literally comes from heaven and consumes the the, the, the bull. And and he slays the, I think 450 prophets it was, he slays the 450 prophets and the whole nation turns back to Jesus. Who knows that still today a whole nation can be saved? Who knows that the whole of Stanthorpe can be saved and and, and get born again. But we need some radical people that would believe in the fire of God. And and, and so, so he literally leads a national revival, slays the enemy. But then one word from evil Jezebel. And she says, by this time tomorrow, you'll be dead. And it sends him into a spin. For the first time in his life, he He's afraid and, well, not the first time in his life, but he lets fear dictate his life and he ends up under a tree. He is burnt out. He's suicidal. He's depressed. He says, God, I'm done. Just kill me now. And then he ends up in a cave, which the cave speaks of escapism, which I'll talk about in a little bit. And then we, the, the small, still small voice of God brings him out of the cave. And if you remember that God brings the fire, but God wasn't in the fire, the the wind, but God was in the wind. The earthquake, but God was in the earthquake. But then it was the still small voice of God. And I want to just touch on this. I've got three quick things, and then we're going to pray. There's three things, because Elijah went through a pressure test, but he missed a few things. And the first one is this, that he forgot that it's, number one, it's God's word or voice that sustains us. It's got, watch how Elijah's journey started. You watch, there's a thing in the Bible called the law of firsts. And when you look at the, the very first time something is mentioned, you'll find great clues to that particular thing that you're reading about. How does Elijah's life start? Well, it starts of him being close and intimate and hearing the voice. It's not going to rain, Elijah. Go and prophesy. So, so it's a picture of connectedness and closeness. It then says, and just for time, sake, so you can read this story later, because I'm just going to tell you what, what it says, and you can check it out for yourself. But, but, but it, it says then, after he prophesied, so intimacy, closeness, it then says, now go to Kirith Ravine, and, and he goes there, and he drinks from what? A brook? And the... The, the birds feed him from the sky. Again, a picture of intimacy and closeness. See, the brook is a picture of the Holy Spirit. He's drinking of the river and the brook of God, and he's eating the food that literally comes from above. Then the, 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 again, closeness, intimacy. He's drinking of the brook. He's eating the word that comes from the sky. Then he hears the voice again. Now go to Zarephath, and a widow will provide for you. Just as a side note, let me tell you that your provision is often on the other side of your obedience. See, see, so often what we want is God, give me the provision and then I'll go. But God says, no, I'm calling you to go and the provision is waiting for where I've asked you to be. And so he goes to Zarephath and again what happens is there is oil and bread that never runs out. Again a picture, the oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit and the bread is a picture of the Word of God. So when we look at the start of Elijah's life, we see this picture for the first few chapters of intimacy, connectedness, closeness. He's he's hungry to drink from the brook. He's hungry for the oil. He's hungry for the word that would come from heaven. He's hungry for the bread of life. And so we see this picture of a man that is being sustained by the voice of God, by the word of God. And literally because of that lifestyle, in other words, we see a man that literally is living out of the overflow. You know, God's called you to live out of the overflow. And what that means is that when you come to a pressurized test, maybe you get a diagnosis from the doctor that's not good. But you know what? The word is already in you. And you already know that he's a healer. You already know that he heals people. And that's, how, that's called living out of the overflow. In other words, I've already got in me what I need for the next season. Now, let me tell you, if you don't already have it in you and you get the bad diagnosis, the answer is still to put the word in you. It just works a whole lot better if it's already in you before you actually need it. And so it's this picture of Elijah living out of the overflow. But then we get to this moment in verse 1 uh, 1 Kings 19, 1 to 4. I'm not going to read it, but it's this moment where Jezebel, she says, by this time tomorrow, you'll be dead. And this whole journey of him living out of the overflow, connectedness leads him to this national revival. The man of God, the man of the hour that slays 450 prophets, that leads the whole nation back to God. But now one word from Jezebel, you'll be dead by tomorrow. And the Bible says he was afraid, and he ends up under a tree. This is the first time in the whole text that he listens to the wrong voice. And when you listen to the wrong voice, you'll find yourself in the wrong place. He ends up under a tree, depressed and suicidal because he's listening to the wrong voice. Let me tell you right now, in the age we're living in now with the media and the fear that is literally trying to come upon every single person, why is there so much anxiety and depression and all this kind of stuff? Because we're listening to the wrong voice and we keep ending up in the wrong place. And Elijah, for the first time, listens to the wrong voice and he ends up in the wrong place. It then goes on further down the story where the angels come twice and they, in verse five to seven, they say, Elijah, you need to eat because you don't have enough in you to get to where you're meant to be. In other words, he's ran out of gas, he's had a burnout. See, burnout is simply this burnout is when you've kept giving out of what you don't have for too long. You have now depleted the reserves. And even chemically. And Elijah had ran out. He had put so much in in the beginning like we saw, which led him to the pinnacle of a national revival. But now he's ran out of gas. He's got nothing left. And then we see ourselves where he ends up in a cave. And I'll touch on that more where the cave speaks of escapism. And and this unusual thing in 1 Kings 19, 11 and 13, God speaks to him and he says... Elijah, I'm going to speak to you. But then he does three things where it says, but God wasn't in the fire, wasn't in the earthquake, wasn't in the wind, which is kind of weird if you think about it. Imagine I said to Pastor Jeremy, Pastor Jeremy, I, we need to speak. Like, right, Seriously, it's urgent. We need to speak. But here's three ways of how I'm not going to speak, and then I'll speak. That's unusual, isn't it? Like, that would be, that, But that's actually what God did. So there's got to be meaning, and why did God kind of not speak three ways to show that I'm not speaking like that, then he spoke. And I believe he was speaking something so profound. See, remember, it was the word that at the start sustained him that got him to that place, that pinnacle, but now he's ran out of gas. And God, the first thing he does is he brings fire. But he says, but I'm not in the fire. Because what he was communicating to Elijah because Elijah knew about the fire. Elijah was the man of God that called fire from the sky. But what God was communicating was, Elijah, the fire is what you did for me. But it's not the thing that sustained you. It's not the thing that fills you up. The fire is what takes from you, Elijah. That's what you did for me. But Elijah, the only thing that sustains you is my voice. my Elijah, do you remember the brook? Do you remember when you were hungry for the oil? But see, Elijah had moved, which is a common thing for all of us, he had moved from believing to be sustained by who God was and in our intimate relationship with him to thinking that he could be sustained by the things he was doing for God. But actually, the things you do for God takes from you, which is why you need to keep being sustained by who he is. He he then brought the, the, the wind that literally broke rocks, but God said, but I'm not in the wind. Why did he do that? Because Elijah also knew about the wind. He knew about the breath. Because he was the man that stood with a dead, lifeless boy in his arms. But he called for the wind and the breath. And he watched that boy's eyes open and come back to life. And again, God was communicating, Elijah, the wind, the breath, that's what you do for me, Elijah. But it's not what sustains you. Elijah, do you remember in Zarephath when you were hungry for the oil? You were Hungry for the word that came from the sky. But he had moved from trying to be sustained by what he was doing for God. And then again, the earthquake, and again, Elijah knew about earthquakes. Because he had literally shaken political systems. He had shaken weather patterns. But again, God was saying, Elijah, that's what you do for me, but it's not what sustains you. In other words, he was calling him back to the brook. He was calling him back to the oil. He was calling him back to the bread and the word that came from heaven. Because after that, then it was the little voice of God. And it caused him to put his cloak over his head because he remembered the thing that he had forgotten. The first thing you got to understand is it, it, when Elijah had forgotten is you get sustained by the word. The second thing is this. It is, and this is such an old Pentecostal cliche, but there's great truth in it. Elijah had forgotten new levels equals new devils. You know, sometimes we forget that we're in a war. And sometimes we, you know, our marriage was on the rocks, but we went and sought help and we started to put into practice the things that we need to do. Or maybe we're the first people in our generation to actually own a home and buy land. Or, or, or maybe we've started tithing or started serving at church. And sometimes what we think when we do that is the devil's going to send like, you know, roll out the red carpet and send flowers with a card and saying, hey, I just want to say I'm so proud of you. You know, you, you've changed your generation. And that's how sometimes we think and then we get shocked with when we take these kingdom advanced steps and then all of a sudden all hell breaks loose because new levels equals new devils. Yeah. You know, watch this. It's Elijah kills 450 Baal prophets. They represent individual demons. But then, you know, the next thing that happens after he slays the 450 individual demons, the Baal prophets, The the atmosphere starts to change and it begins to rain on a land where it hadn't rained in three and a half years. See, what that is is a picture of for you and I that when we fight against some personal individual demons we change the atmosphere for people that didn't even fight the battle let, let me give you let, let me make it clear maybe grandma always struggled with fear and anxiety and mom struggled with fear and anxiety and now you have struggled with fear and anxiety but you're the one that says you know what I'm going to fight against this spirit of fear I'm going to be the one to slay the spirit of fear and when you conquer that spirit, you know what happens? The atmosphere starts to change over your children and now your children that didn't even fight the battle get to enjoy the rain from the battle that you fought. See, for me, there's addiction right throughout our family. But I'm telling you, there's two boys, 14 and 15-year-olds, that are not going to go through addiction because my wife and I, we fought some battles, we fought some individual demons so that my boys could enjoy the rain that they didn't even fight for. But the thing that Elijah failed to understand is this principle of new levels, new devils, because he defeated the 450 individual demons but now Jezebel was about to speak. Jezebel doesn't represent an individual demon. She represents a principality and a power that literally was ruling the whole region. The demons served her beck and call and, and that's why you'd say, well, how could this great man of God end up suicidal under a tree? Because it wasn't just some small demon speaking to him. It was a principality and power. And her words were literally uh, energized by demonic activity They were full of suicide and oppression and, and, and darkness. And when she spoke, he, was, he, he failed to be reminded that new levels cause new devils. Let me just do a caveat for a moment. Don't be that person that, 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 that is focused on this. I'm aware of this principle, but I'm not focused on it. You know when you meet someone and everything they tell you is everything the devil's doing in their life? Don't be that person. I'm focused on the fact that the devil is already a defeated foe. I'm focused on the fact that greater is he that lives on the inside of me than he that's in the world. But at the same time, I'm aware of this spiritual principle. And you know what happens when I'm aware of this? It actually makes me dig down deeper into point number one. See, I'm taking on a church. Let me tell you, this hell has come against us. So what that means is I've just got to dig down deeper into point number one. I've got to be so sustained by the Word of God. I've got to be drinking even more from the brook and the oil and the Word that comes from heaven because I understand new levels equals new devils. Last point is this. And then I'm going to pray. And The last one is this, is number three. He failed to see that, number three, you've got to come out of your cave and get real with God. You know, the thing, the thing that, uh, you know, that, that what, what pressure does is it reveals cracks. See, when I wasn't going through the pressure, I couldn't see the cracks but now that I'm going through the pressure, I can't not see the cracks. I'm a visual person. It's like almost illuminated light coming out of the cracks, the dysfunction, the the weakness. Before, when there was no pressure, I didn't think there were any, but now it's like I I can't not not see the dysfunction, the weakness. Can I get someone to play? Is that okay? Would that be okay? You know, the... And there's a great quote from a Navy SEAL that says this, when pressure comes, you don't rise to the occasion, you sink to the level of your training. And really what pressure does is it shows us where we're really at. You know that scripture that that says uh, tribulation produces character, character, perseverance, perseverance, hope? Can I be honest with you? When I go through tribulation, it normally doesn't reveal character. It normally reveals a lack of character. Like when that person hurts me or says that thing that's not true, I wish I could tell you that, you know, what normally comes out is stuff that shouldn't be in there. But what it does do is it shows me some cracks so that then I can put in the work and say, oh, there's still some stuff. I'm still prone to offence. I'm still prone to unforgiveness. And I can work on it. And then eventually, tribulation produced character. Character, perseverance, perseverance, hope. And, And, you know, when those cracks, those illuminated cracks of dysfunction that pressure reveals, the temptation for all of us is to find a cave to hide in. That's what Elijah did. The cave speaks of escapism. And the reason we go to escapism is because I don't want to be confronted by the stuff that I'm seeing. It's bringing up that childhood stuff. It's bringing up that hurt. It's bringing up that dysfunction. It's revealing that rejection. And there's a natural temptation to say, where can I find a cave? See, because a cave is a dark place. And like I said, when the, if you visualize with me that the, the pressure reveals cracks and it's almost like an illuminated light. Now I can't not see what's wrong with me unless I find a dark place that I can escape to and then I can't see it as much. And, and escapism, it, it, it could be some form of substance, it could be way too much Netflix, it could be social media could be something sexual. And again, we're mature enough to know that there are some caves that are more destructive than others. But let's all be real, a cave's a cave. could be food. A cave is a place that you're trying to hide because you don't want to face the stuff that's being revealed. You know, there's this moment where God asks Elijah a question. And he, and I feel like this might be a question for some of you today. And Maybe you feel like you're in a cave. Maybe you feel like you've gone through a pressure test. I'll share this scripture and then I've got one story and then I'm going to pray. But God asks Elijah a question that maybe God's asking you today. He says, Elijah, why are you here? How have you found yourself in this place, in this cave? Elijah, you can read it for yourself later. He he says something along the lines of, well, I'm the only one. They've killed everybody else and I'm the only one that's still zealous for you and now they're trying to kill me. Very self-righteous, religious kind of answer. And then after that, it's the fire, the wind, the earthquake, the still small voice of God, he comes out of the cave. And then God asks him the exact same question again. Word for word, Elijah, why are you here? You know, there can only be one possible theological reason why God would ever ask you the same question twice. But like as humans, there's a few reasons. Well, I didn't hear you, hard of hearing. So I'll ask the same question again because I just didn't hear you. This one's a common one in marriage. I, I don't understand what you're saying because we speak different languages. And I'll ask the exact same question again because I have no idea what you're talking about. God doesn't have a problem with hearing. He doesn't have a problem with understanding. He knows your answer before you even give it. So the only possible theological reason that God would ever ask you the same question twice is because He's merciful and He's good and you gave the wrong answer the first time. So he's giving you an opportunity to change your answer. But you know, verbatim, Elijah gives the exact same answer. And he missed it. Because you know, there's a moment where God says after that, he says, okay, fine, Elijah. He says, go and anoint Hazel the king, anoint Jehu who's going to kill Jezebel, and then then find Elisha who's going to take over from you. That's the will of God, yes? It came from the mouth of God. Elijah, do those three things. You know that Elijah never did those three things he never anointed Hazel he never anointed Jehu he went straight to Elisha anointed Elisha and then Elijah went up to heaven now please don't get me wrong Elijah's still an incredible man of God appears again in the New Testament seven amazing miracles national revival. still an incredible man of God but he didn't fulfill a hundred percent will of God And i believe it was because he wouldn't come out of the cave and get real with god see there was a moment when he was under the tree and he said i failed like all of my ancestors and i don't know what it was for elijah but maybe him coming out of the cave was him saying to god when god said why are you here he needed to come out and say god Even though I was doing these great things for you, if I be honest, deep down, I've always felt like a failure. And when Jezebel spoke those words, it rang true with every bit of dysfunction within me and it caused me to end up under a tree, suicidal father. Help me with what I'm believing. See, 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 your face can't get healed until you take off your mask. If you keep wearing your mask, your face will never get healed. And the the thing that we can learn from this is eventually God is so good, He's so patient, He's so gracious, but eventually there comes a point in life where if you won't deal with the stuff you need to deal with, God will find someone else to do the thing that you were put on the planet to do. Last story and then we'll pray. You know, I lived in America for the last four years. We got back here a year ago and we actually thought we were coming back temporarily just to get our next visa and go back to America. That's when God spoke about our church and all that kind of stuff. In four years, can I tell you, it, it, it was pretty stressful to be an immigrant. I know there's maybe some people here today and you understand the thing of visas and, you know, the, your life's not your own in a sense because at any one moment, a country, if you don't comply, can say, hey, it's time to go. And hard to build your life and family. It's a, it's a, it's a pressure. It was 2019. And 2019 was amazing. We, we, we released our freedom experience and we're seeing hundreds of people like our influence. I'm getting invited all over America. And it was, we, we had, you know, pushed for three, four years. When you go to America as an itinerant and no one knows who you are, it's not an easy thing. But we had just pressed in and eventually now yeah, started to break open. 2019, September, probably the, the most blessed that I'd been in America. And then this guy came and his name was Mike Connell, same last name as me kind of an expert in deliverance and freedom and that kind of thing. and He was coming to our church. I was part of a big church, 8,000 people. And he was coming for three weekends to preach at all the different campuses and midweek stuff. And, and I felt God tell me the way I earned my income up until now has been to, to do what I'm doing right now. And I felt God say, don't preach anywhere. I want you to just drive Mike, Pastor Mike Connell. Take three weeks off and just drive him. And I asked my pastors, I said, could I be his driver? And they said, yes. And and I get around him and the first day I'm around him, like I'm on top of the world, right? Things are good. But as soon as I get around him the first time, all this stuff starts bubbling up. All this junk, rejection, insecurity. Felt like I was a high school kid around him. And then as each day goes by, it just continues to increase. And now I'm even saying things that are embarrassing and I'm like, what in the world? I've dealt with this God. And then eventually after two, three weeks, the pinnacle happens where a hundred staff members, we do this retreat away up in the mountains and he starts preaching and I've been going through it for two and a half weeks. And as soon as he starts preaching, I'm already crying as soon as he starts. I'm sitting in my seat. And as time goes on now, I'm like weeping and eventually he opens the altar and, and he's gonna pray for people and, And I'm the first one out the front. And for 20 minutes before he prays for me, I'm not now just crying like I'm ugly crying. Like I'm talking snot. I reckon there's people that are on that staff that are in counseling today just because they saw me crying. That's how bad it was. And after 20 minutes, he just walks up to me. And he says, spirit of rejection and abandonment come off him. The power of God hits me. You know, I I would love to say that from that moment, my life was incredibly better. It actually got a whole lot worse. Because you know sometimes what true deliverance is? True deliverance is to help you see something that you are unable to see. But now that you can see it, you can put in the work to deal with the fault line. In that moment, if I be honest with you, been a Christian 21 years. In that moment, I realized there were some caves that I was finding myself in. And I always thought it was the cave that was the problem. But in that moment, I saw that it was this fault line of rejection and abandonment in my life that would cause me to pursue places that I shouldn't go. After that moment, I had issues with leadership because now rejection's been exposed. So I'd take things the wrong way of what they said and then it got to the crescendo and I'm just about done. It gets to this moment about two months after, after he's come, his comies, exposed rejection. I'm kind of doing good. I'm doing okay. There's a couple of leadership things. We're, we're about to lodge for our green card. And when you're on a visa, a temporary visa, I spent 30,000 US dollars on visas, doing all the right thing and trying to get through. But all of it for me was the finish line, was the green card. Like once you get the green card then it's then there's no more of all this stuff and now I you know someone can't just tell me that me and my family have to go and now we can settle and and the pressure will finally be off that I've carried for 4 years and I get to the day before we're about to lodge and my lawyer sees something in my criminal history that's so minor that at 19 I got caught with $50 worth of amphetamine he said because it's that particular drug he said you're what they call inadmissible you can never ever get a green card and be permanent in america and i tell you it was the wind got got kicked out of me because for four years i'm like there's a finish line I'll, I'll get to the finish. And then I finally was about to cross and they told me, no, 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 there's never going to be a finish line. It sent me in the next month or two in a depression. This is 2019. sort of counselor about five times. It helped me a lot. But think about it, right? Think about this. God's revealed a fault line of rejection and abandonment that really stems a lot to do with my dad. But now... I'm not being rejected by my dad. I'm being rejected by a whole country. 350 million people. We don't want you. Sent me into depression. But you know what I did? It's hard to get out of bed. I remember we sung Waymaker. There were times in that month or two, I dropped my kids at school. And instead of going home, because I knew that it just represented depression to me, I'd stay in the parking lot at the supermarket and I'd sit in the car. I'd just, and I'd just put Waymaker on. And then I was at home and it was like a three-story apart, like a townhouse, garage down the bottom. That's where I used to pray, and I'd have this couch. And I and i even though I was depressed, I would just drag myself down. I didn't do much else, but I'd drag myself down to the garage and I'd do my best to drink from the brook find the oil to find something that would come from the, from heaven to eat the bread and it was after about a month or two I'll never forget it whereas I was doing that each day the Holy Spirit filled my whole garage and I began to weep in his presence and he spoke to me so clearly And he said Lucas I had to allow it to seem like you would totally been rejected and abandoned so that we could deal with the rejection and the abandonment that's been living in your heart for the past 20 years. God did such a work in me. It was about three, four months later that COVID happened. God spoke and he said, go back to Australia right now. Five days after he spoke, we had packed our whole house up, put it in storage, shut down all our bills, all our rental. Five days, we're on a plane in Australia. and People say, wow, that's crazy. It actually wasn't even hard because God had done such a work in us and prepared us for the next season. It was a pressure test. I wanna pray for you today. Why don't everyone stand to your feet? I'm sorry if we've gone a bit longer, but I just wanna pray and and then we'll be done. But if you're in this place today with every eye closed, every head bowed, and you'd say, Lucas, I feel like I'm in a pressure test. Or, 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 and I'm not gonna single these two things out, or or, or Lucas, if I be honest, I'm in a cave. I'm in a cave, and today's the day that I'm coming out of the cave. Today's the day I'm gonna get real with God. If you're in either of those two cases right now, it's either a, you just know that, Lucas, I'm in a pressure test. I relate to what you're saying. Or Lucas I'm like Elijah I'm hiding in a cave if that's you just lift your hand to heaven right now yeah a whole heap of people here's what I want to do right, have we got five minutes great here's what I want to do if that's you lifting your hand right now or or maybe you didn't and you know you should have I want you to actually come to the altar right now because I'm going to stand with you I'm going to pray just come right now every person we're not talking about this is not you giving your life to Jesus. just saying I'm in a pressure test or or I'm in a cave and I'm coming out of it. If that's you, don't don't stop, don't stay in your seat. Listen, if you know this is you and you stay in your seat, then what you're doing is you're giving the response that Elijah gave, instead of saying, no, hey, I, I need to come out of the cave. Father, we thank you right now for your Holy Spirit. If you're standing in the crowd, why don't you reach out your hands to these beautiful people that are just believing for a miracle. Father, in the name of Jesus. Garth, you want to just come and stand? Father, in the name of Jesus. Over here. God, in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for your son. Right now. Right now. Right now. Father, touch him in the name of Jesus. Touch him in the name of Jesus. I just see God lifting depression off your life right now. I just see it. So I see like a, just like a heaviness that literally has come upon you that's linked to things that have happened in your past. But I command that thing to come off in the name of Jesus. I declare you're a good man. I declare you're a good man. Holy Ghost, Father, bless your son today. God bless him, bless him, bless him. Let him hear the voice of God. Holy Ghost, let him hear the voice of God. Father, I come against and as a brother in Christ with him, I stand against every demonic thing that would come against Him, every bit of pressure, I stand with Him, brother to brother. God, He's not fighting this by Himself, but we stand together and we push back in the name of Jesus. God, I declare a brand new day. I declare a brand new day in the name of Jesus. Holy Ghost, Father, for every person right now, God, I release Your Holy Spirit. I release Your Holy Spirit right now, Father, a brand new day. God, a brand new day. God, a brand new day. Holy Ghost, touch in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, God, I break the, there it is. I break the power right now that Satan has over you. I break it in the name of Jesus right now right now, right now, right now, right now. And I just see for you, sir, I I see things of generational things that were passed down to you. And I declare right now they're done. I declare they're finished in the name of Jesus. I declare, I declare a new day, a new generation that's birthed in you in the name of Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. Father, in the name of Jesus, there it is. Just touch right now. Touch, 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 touch. God's God's lifting grief off your life right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Ghost, God touch her, Beautiful daughter, beautiful daughter, beautiful daughter. I just see, I see grief and and major disappointment that God's lifting off you right now. And He's He's returning the joy, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, the joy, I see that. I see the joy of the Lord returning to you as an incredible strength. Father, in the name of Jesus, and I just thank you for your precious daughter, I come against all anxiety in the name of Jesus right now. I command it to go in the name of Jesus. I command it to go in the name of Jesus. I take authority over it in the name of Jesus. And I and I declare faith to rise up on the inside. I de- God cares about you so much, young lady. He cares about you so much. And I literally just see—I I, see—I see a picture of you, just—just just especially at night, as all the lights are off, just in, with anxiousness and turmoil in your heart. But God says He cares about every thought you have, and the things that you think that no one's listening or no one knows or no one understands. God says, "I understand. I know. You're my girl. You're my daughter." I see God's hand just reaching out to you and He loves you so much. He says, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. There it is. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. And just even as a visual thing in your own spirit right now, I want you to imagine Him reaching out His hand and then imagining you taking His hand. God, I might not have it all worked out, but I'm going to take Your hand. I'm going to take Your hand. He's going to lead you to places that are going to blow your mind. He's going to lead you to relationships that are going to bless you and blow your mind. Holy Ghost, bless. Father, in the name of Jesus, touch. Touch. Spirit of God, move. Spirit of God, move. God, we thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for your goodness. God, there it is. We thank you for your goodness. Right now, right now, God's God's healing you. God's healing you. God's healing you healing you physically, healing you emotionally right now. God's healing you right now. It's the love of the Father. It's the love of the Father. It's all over you right now. He loves you. So you. He's so proud of 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 you. I see this picture so clearly. And it's like a, a podium, you know, for, for athletes. And, and you see yourself kind of like on the podium that's in fifth place. But when God looks at you, He sees you on that first he sees you on the, on the on the number one. You're a winner. You're a winner. You're a winner. You've won. You've won. You've won. Holy Ghost, you're not a disappointment to God. He's so proud of you so proud of you and that's what I see that picture just like a, a mum or dad when they, they have a child that ends up on the number one podium and they show, they show pictures to their friends and hey look at, look at Sarah, she's on the podium at number one and, and, and that's what God, he's got that picture of you Father bless in the name of Jesus touch God release your power right now, release 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 in the name of Jesus right now I break the power that the enemy has over you right now I break it in the name of Jesus right now I break it in the name of Jesus I break it in the name of Jesus I break it in the name I just see I literally see something trying to suck the life out of you and I just break its power in the name of Jesus Christ I thank you for my brother and I declare absolute freedom in the name of Jesus right now Freedom in the name of Jesus. Freedom in the name of Jesus. Freedom in the name of Jesus. I break its power. I stand with Him today. I stand with Him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And whatever this battle that He's up against, we stand together in the name of Jesus. And I declare freedom in the name of Jesus. Freer than He's ever been before. Freer than He's ever been before. We cut it off. We Cut it off. Father for your son, touch, touch, touch. God, let freedom flow. God, let freedom and life. Freedom and life. Let it flow in Jesus' name. Let it flow, God, for your precious daughter. Touch. Touch. There it is. Just let it go. Just let it go. Just let it go. Yeah, let it go. 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 I know it's hard. It's people you gotta forgive just let it go don't hold on to it you can't hold on to it you can't hold on to it just even within your own heart right now just forgive whoever it is that's hurt you the disappointment that came just let it go let it go let it go let it go give it to him give it to the father give it to the father forgiveness to that person is not a gift to them it's a gift to yourself it's a gift to yourself so God, I'm letting go of the hurt. I'm letting go of the bitterness. There it is. God's taking it out right now. I see a thorn of bitterness that's connected to offense. And right now, God's taking it out. As you release it to Him, He's literally taking out the thorn that's causing pain and hurt right now. It's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new day. I'm telling you, I see a picture of you waking up tomorrow. I'm telling you, I see this so clear. You're gonna wake up tomorrow and you're gonna look at the same trees the same sky, the same world, and it's going to be brighter. It's like it's it's become dull. Things have become dull because of the bitterness. But I'm telling you, tomorrow, walk outside, look at the trees, look at the sky. And you're going to say, when did it get this bright? It's because God's removed the thorn of bitterness. Keep forgiving every day. Keep forgiving. Whoever it is, just forgive. Every day, God, I give it to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, touch you, son. God, touch him. Touch him. Touch him. Spirit of God. Spirit of God, touch. Spirit of God, touch. God, we release. We release the goodness of God. I release favor and blessing. I release favor and blessing. I release favor and blessing. I, I really just see prosperity coming to you. I, I see prosperity. I see prosperity. God's going to bless you. God's going to bless you. God's going to bless you. Holy Ghost, Father. Sorry, we're nearly done. Father, in the name of Jesus, touch, touch. There it is, touch, 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 touch. I break the power of guilt and shame. I break the power of guilt and shame right now. I break it in the name of Jesus right now. I break it in the name of Jesus. Touch, 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 freedom. That freedom flow like a river. Touch, touch. There it is. Touch. God the Father's here right now. Here is precious daughter. Holy Ghost, touch, 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 Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, touch, touch, touch. More of you. There it is. Power of God's on you right now. Power of God. Touch. Touch, Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for healing. In the name of Jesus, supernatural, God, I thank you for a miracle. Yeah, I I, I feel like God's going to do a miracle in your body right now, a miracle, a miracle, a miracle for you as well, a miracle in the name of Jesus for both of you. I feel like God's going to do a bona fide miracle. So I command right now, healing in the name of Jesus right now healing in the name of Jesus right now a bona fide miracle in the name of Jesus Christ I command bodies to be healed in this place right now in the name of Jesus father touch touch be healed touch freedom 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 you know I, I I just see for you sir God's so proud of you and even the fact that you're standing here right now, He's so proud of you. And I, and I just, and, and I don't know, like this is just what I feel. And the Bible says with all prophecy, we should test it. But I but I felt like it was a challenge for you to stand here. And God's proud that you walked out. God's proud that you said, you know what? And, and, and I just feel, right? I feel like get ready. To, even because of this act of obedience, there's about to be some, there's going to be incredible freedom and breakthrough. But, but with that, I'm telling you, there's gonna be a burst of creativity. God's gonna give you some ideas. God's gonna just give you insight into around what you do with work and future and all that kind of stuff. That literally is gonna become an incredible blessing, but it's actually linked to this moment of you saying, God, I'm coming out of my cave. So yes, there's gonna be the freedom and the blessing that comes, but mark my words, Get ready for the burst of creativity that is going to bless you and your family. You, you've got you've got stuff. I don't know what you do, but I just see this this realm of ideas and creativity that are, that are going to become a great blessing to others. But it's going to bless you. I'm telling you, get ready. It, like I see, I see ridiculous financial blessing because of the burst of creativity. But it's like you haven't been able to see it. But today you've stepped out. And get ready within the next 14 days, it's just going to start to flow. You're going to go, wow, wow. But remember, it's God that's going to do it. It's God that's given you the idea. You're the vessel and you're wired perfectly for the idea. But I see you stepping into the will of God like never before. Get ready for the ride of your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, Get ready, Father. I thank you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Je- I, I see you. I see you because of whatever this thing is. I see you literally funding kingdom projects all over the planet, all over the planet, all over the planet. Father, bless you son. And God, for your precious daughter, touch. In the name of Jesus, touch. God, release, 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 release. In the name of Jesus, freedom. Let me just pray one last prayer over everyone. Did I miss someone? Sorry, buddy. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for your son, whom you love, whom you're proud of. God loves you so much, champion. He loves you so much. He's not, he's not unhappy with you. He's not disappointed. He loves you. He says, I'm your father. And I'll lead you. I'll guide you. Trust me. Follow me. God bless you, son. God bless him. God, every bit of hurt and every word that's been spoken over him that was negative, I break the power of those words in the name of Jesus. I come against every bullying spirit in the name of Jesus and I command it to stop. I declare a hedge of protection over this young man in the name of Jesus. I declare angels to go with him wherever he goes, wherever he goes, that there would be a hedge of protection and a faith that would rise up that would bring incredible strength, not his own strength, but strength that comes directly from the Father. Let me pray one last prayer Father, I just thank you for a great church, a glorious church, a a church that's gonna continue to grow, a church that's gonna continue to see people find Christ. And just the last thing I'll do, with every eye closed, if you need to give your life to Jesus today because you're away from God, or you've never given your life to Jesus, why don't you just quickly lift your hand right now if that's you. you. Say, today's the day I'm giving my life to Christ. Is there someone that needs to do that today? Holy Ghost Father we think yeah right at the back awesome love to pray for you today someone else anyone else beautiful 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 Holy Ghost right at the back there why don't you why don't you pray these words at the back but we're going to all pray it together say dear Father thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price for my sin. I'm sorry for everything that I've done wrong. And today, I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I just see, just lift your hands to heaven. Both hands. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you for Malady. And I just thank you for the power of God to come upon her. I'm telling you, Melody, there's such a call of God on your life. Holy Ghost. And and I see you, I see you as a a pioneer that's going to do incredible things for God. And, And I see, and I hope this is okay, but I see this picture of almost like Vikings that that actually set off to a new place. And I see there'll come this moment in your life where you'll say goodbye to your parents. Not not goodbye forever, but you'll go to another place. And God's going to use you as an incredible pioneer with someone else. But I I just see you doing incredible things for the kingdom of God. That within your own right, there's going to come a moment in the future where you just know It's time to go. It's time to go and do whatever this thing. I don't know what it is, but God's going to put something in your heart. I'm talking about when you're older, when you're an adult, but he's going to put something in your heart and you're going to do incredible things for the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, there's a great call of God on your life, Melody. God's been preparing you your whole life and He's going to continue to prepare. You don't have to feel pressure from this world. You don't have to feel like, well, I have to live up to this or anything like that. God's just going to make it happen. It's going to come to pass. You just need to keep being you, keep doing you, keep resting in all of that. But there's going to come a moment where you hear from heaven and He's going to give you a specific thing to do that's going to change so many lives.
1: Father, bless your daughter. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we thank Pastor Lucas? Give him a hand. I don't profess to be a prophet or anything like that, but I want to prophetically speak this scripture. And it's not going to be anything new for you, Lucas, but it's just going to confirm what God's put on your heart. It's a book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 42, verses six and seven. It says, I chose you to bring justice and I'm here at your side. I selected you and sent you to bring light and my promise of hope to the nations. You'll give sight to the blind. You'll set prisoners free from dark dungeons. And I just believe with all my heart that there's an anointing on on Lucas, his family. Uh, And it's no coincidence, it's called the freedom experience. God's gonna use you powerfully in in the city of the Gold Coast. Where there are countless broken people uh, attached to addiction, struggling in life that, you know, and and we talk about the Gold Coast being a bit of a Bible Belt in so many churches. But as I said earlier, the anointing on you, Pastor Lucas, and your family is something fresh and new and different that's going to impact people that wouldn't have been impacted if you didn't heed the call of God on your life. And he's going to add to your church a great core of people, which is already doing. But he's also going to add countless people that have been set free because of the message of Jesus that comes through you. So would you reach a hand out toward Pastor Lucas? We just thank you, Father God, for your son, Lord. And we just pray your anointing, Father God, to, to fill him from the top of his head, Lord, to the tip of his toes. May he walk in such authority and boldness in that city. God, that people would come and encounter you, a God that wants us to be free. So I thank you, Lord, for prisoners being released, captives being set free, chains being broken, blind eyes being opened, Father God, because of the anointing on this church, on this uh, leadership and, and Lord, on what you're going to do, the plans that you have for Celebrate Church at the Gold Coast. Lord, may there be much celebrating because of the many souls and the harvest of people that are going to be set free because of the anointing on this one, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Give God praise. Come on, he's worthy. It's good. We've gone a bit over, but God's doing business and it's all good. But be blessed. Uh, We've got coffee, so stick around. If you haven't put your coffee order in, see the team and they'll help you out with a coffee. Uh, We'd love to bless you with that. Have some fellowship. Have an awesome time. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday and be blessed. Amen? Amen? Amen. Be blessed.